Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to episode 123 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host, Alison Colley. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast, whether you're listening on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify or online or by some other app. Welcome along. Thank you very much for tuning in. For those regular listeners, you'll know that this is a podcast that's designed for employers and business owners and HR professionals in relation to all aspects of employment law. The content can be relevant to employees as well and I know that there are lots of people who listen who are also studying um, employment law or um, for their CIPD so you're welcome and thanks again for tuning in. Um, This week I am dealing with a question from a listener and this follows on from the last episode 122 about redundancy so thank you very much for getting in touch. So without further ado I'm going to get into this week's featured content. So as I said, this week's episode follows a listener question, which was a follow up from the last episode where I covered two topics, the first one being about redundancy and the second being about WhatsApp groups and group chats. And the question comes from Kate Ivakovich. Now, thank you very much for getting in touch, Kate. I'm really sorry if I haven't pronounced your name correctly. But thank you so much for your question. Kate's question is around redundancy. And for those of you who listened to the last episode will know that I talked about restructuring and what happens on a restructure and whether there's a redundancy situation. So what Kate says in her question is that they do a lot of restructuring in local government. And anyone who listens to the news or (laughs) listens to their own local authority we'll know that that's been going on for some time with various cuts in budgets and that sort of thing. And as a small local authority, they cannot afford widespread redundancies and redundancy payments. So they try to seek out suitable alternative wherever they can. On the one hand, there are those employees who think that having any kind of job, whether it be different or not, in a restructure is a good thing. And then there are those who object to even the slightest change to their job and request a redundancy payment. What she says in their organisation is that they approach things pragmatically and conduct a close analysis of what's being done and the tasks that are envisaged in the new role and they apply a rule of thumb that if there is an 80% match it would be suitable alternative employment and sometimes we say the role is virtually the same and it slots in. She says there is of course always then an argument on whether the new job is 80% the same to the old one or not and quite rightly she recognises that factors like status, job title and various other factors could impact on whether it's a suitable alternative or not and that in general that they tend to play things safely and if there's a dispute we'll try to avoid an employment tribunal claim which is what most employers do. Now what Kate's referring to here is what comes under section 141 of the Employment Rights Act which is that where an employee unreasonably rejects an offer of suitable employment then they have no right to redundancy pay. And what can often happen in a restructure situation is, as I talked about in the previous episode, there could be the same number of jobs in the organisation, but the requirement for 
employees to do different types of work may have changed. And so quite rightly, many times employers will try to avoid having to pay out redundancy payments by offering alternative employment to their existing staff. And there are loads of reasons for this. Obviously, it's much better to keep staff on that you've already employed for a while and you know, but also to avoid that additional cost of redundancy pay. Now, the short answer to the question about alternative employment and redundancy is a typical lawyer's answer, I have to say, and that is it very much depends on the circumstances of the individual case. There certainly isn't a one size fits all here and I'll explain a bit more. So in order for a new role to be a suitable alternative for an employee and therefore avoid having to pay redundancy pay, an employer must follow various steps before the employee has to decide whether to accept the offer or not. So an employer must actually make the offer of alternative employment to the employee, which seems fairly obvious, doesn't it? Um, It's not enough to invite them to a meeting. They must be offered the employment before their employment ends. The offer doesn't have to be in writing, but it is advisable to do so because obviously that's your paper trail. And when you're making the offer to the employee of alternative employment, you should set out the terms in sufficient detail so that they can understand what the differences are between their current job and the new job. Um, It should be a very clear that it's a job offer. And if there are various jobs on offer, you must give the employee enough detail so they can make a decision about which one is suitable for them. Their new employment should start no more than four weeks after their existing contract ends. And when they actually start, so if they accept the alternative employment offer, the terms that you have offered them must not differ once they've actually started. So if the reality of the job role is very different to that which you set out in writing, then the employee could still leave and claim redundancy pay. So if you've identified that there's a potentially suitable alternative offer of employment available on a redundancy or restructuring, then you're required to make sure that you put the offer in writing and set out all the details clearly to the employee so that they can make a decision. Now, that's the easy part of establishing the process for making an offer. Now, if you do make the offer and the employee rejects it, then comes the analysis of whether it is a suitable alternative and whether it's reasonable for the employee to refuse. So in practice, let's just say you've identified that you need to make some changes within the organisation. So you set about doing a restructure. You want to avoid redundancies as far as possible and you believe that there is a suitable alternative employment available. So you make the offer in writing to an employee who's at risk or involved in the restructure and the employee refuses that offer. Whether you have to pay them redundancy pay or not will depend on one, if it's a suitable alternative and two, if it's reasonable. And in the event of a dispute between you, the burden of proof lies with you as the employer to establish both parts of the test. So looking at suitability first, if it comes to it, an employment tribunal will make an objective assessment of the suitability of alternative employment. And there are a number of factors that can impact whether it's suitable or not. One of the ones that comes up fairly often and can lead to dispute is about status. So even where terms and conditions and pay remain the same, if the employee perceives that their status is 
in some way eroded by the alternative employment, then they may reject it on the basis that it's not suitable. So for example, if you have a manager who's being offered a job, uh, a suitable, you deem to be suitable alternative, but it's perhaps from a manager to an assistant role, then it is possible that the employee would be able to argue that that's not suitable. There was a case involving a head teacher who was offered the role of a school teacher. And again, that was deemed to be unsuitable alternative employment due to the change in status. Even where pay and benefits all remain the same, if the job status or the perceived status of the employee has changed, then it's possible that they would be able to argue that it's not a suitable alternative. The second thing to consider is the task, the actual task that they're undertaking. Now, from Kate's question, she explained that they look at it and if it's about 80% the same as the old one, then they consider it to be suitable alternative. What you need to do when looking at tasks is to compare the old job to the new and look at the skills that are required for that. So where the tasks might be the same, but the skills may be different, then again, it could be that it's not suitable alternative. If an employee has a certain set of skills or experience that they've been utilising before and under the new alternative role they're not going to be utilising those but perhaps the tasks are the same or similar then again it is possible that they could argue that it's not suitable alternative. And then if the tasks require the employee to do something that they cannot do or they don't have experience in then again that would be likely to be unsuitable. The third thing is fairly obvious and that's pay and the benefits that they're getting. If there's a change in their pay or a reduction in their benefits like, you know, gym membership or uh, mileage payments or um, usage of company cars, that sort of thing, then it is likely that it won't be a suitable alternative. Then if there are changes to hours, again, for example, if there's less hours or more hours, or a change in the shift pattern, it is possible that it won't be a suitable alternative. And then finally, the location. The location is important because if the location changes, depending on the job role and the distance between the locations, it is possible that it won't be a suitable alternative. So that test is an objective one that will be looked at as to the suitability of the role. And that's quite easy, I think, for employers to look at and assess um, if you look at it objectively to see if it would be a suitable alternative. The hardest part, in my view, comes to the reasonableness of the employee's refusal for that role, because the employment tribunal will look at this subjectively. In my view, this is the most difficult for employers to assess, as the test is whether the particular employee, taking into account all of their particular circumstances and personal circumstances, believe that it's reasonable to refuse. Their leading case on this is a case called J.F. Everest versus Cox from 1980. And within that case, they looked at the reasonableness of the decision of the employee to refuse suitable alternative employment and established that the test for the employment tribunal to look at is do they have sound and justifiable reasons for rejecting the alternative employment on the basis of the facts as they appeared or ought reasonably to have appeared to the employee at the time their decision had to be made. And once again, as I said earlier, the burden of proof here is on the employer to show that the employee's refusal is unreasonable. And there are various things that can impact this. 
So for example, the timing of making the offer of suitable alternative employment can impact on whether it's reasonable for the employee to refuse. If you leave it far too late for them to make their decision and they've already obtained alternative employment. If you've behaved badly during the process through the redundancy process or you're perhaps behaving in a manner which means that the employee doesn't necessarily believe that there's a job for them, then that can impact on the reasonableness of their decision to refuse. There was a case where the employee had believed that the employer had made two other employees the same offer of employment and so therefore thought that actually there wasn't a job there. And so hence that was their reason for rejecting the alternative offer and that was held to be reasonable. Other things that can be taken into account are the length of the employment. So if it's gone from a permanent job role to a temporary one, then an employee may be reasonable to refuse that offer on the basis that they need more permanent or stable employment. If the employee is required to relocate, for example, then depending on their personal circumstances, it may be reasonable for them to refuse. There have been a lot of cases around the increase in time and cost to travel to a new workplace. So where an employee has been offered a suitable alternative role, but in a different location, there have been many who have successfully argued that it was reasonable for them to refuse, taking into account their own personal circumstances. So for example, parents who have childcare commitments, if they're even a short distance in change between the location of their current employment and the new alternative role, if that increases the time which they need to travel or makes childcare difficult, then it would be reasonable for them to refuse that offer. And interestingly, career choices. So if an employee has purposefully chosen a particular career path or avenue or specialism, then it can be reasonable for them to refuse an alternative offer of employment if that impacts upon that and there was a case which went to the court of appeal which is that of Devon Primary Care Trust and Reedman and in that case Mrs Reedman had been employed by the Devon Primary Care Trust for a number of years um, I think since 1976 in total and this case was at the court of appeal in 2013 and there was a restructure which meant that her role as a community nurse or community modern matron was put at risk of redundancy and she was offered an alternative role as a modern matron at a hospital and the role was the same pretty much in terms of the status and the duties were very similar but it would have meant that Mrs Reedman had spent all of her time at the hospital rather than in a community role and her argument was that it was reasonable for her to refuse the offer of alternative employment because she wanted to remain out in the community, she didn't want to be tied to the hospital. At the employment tribunal they decided that Mrs Reedman had been unreasonable in refusing it and so she wasn't allowed to receive a redundancy payment. It then went to the Employment Appeal Tribunal who overturned the decision and decided that as about 45% of her duties were in a community role and her new role would be in the hospital it was reasonable for her to refuse it. The case then went to the Court of Appeal 
And what complicated matters was that Mrs. Reedman was also looking to potentially move to Canada. And so the trusts were arguing that actually it wasn't reasonable for her to refuse because the reason for her refusal was because she wanted to emigrate and the job role was similar enough. At the Court of Appeal, they did overturn the Employment Appeal Tribunal's decision, but only on the basis that they said that the Employment Appeal Tribunal should not have been making a decision about the reasonableness at that stage in the process and they sent it back to the employment tribunal so what they said was the reasoning of the employment tribunal had been inadequate in assessing whether Mrs Reedman had been reasonable in her refusal and the question of reasonableness was a matter of fact for the employment tribunal to reconsider so it was sent back to them and that was quite an interesting case as I say because the tasks, status and all of that sort of thing were pretty much the same. It's just that Mrs. Reedman was arguing that her choice was to work in the community and this new role was in the hospital. And that was the issue that the Employment Tribunal had failed to address sufficiently in their judgment when it was first heard by them. Now, even if an employee decides to accept an offer of alternative employment, they have the right to a statutory four-week trial if the capacity and place in which the employee is employed and the other terms and conditions of his employment differ wholly or in part. So an employee may on the face of it say that they want to accept the alternative role but they have this legal four-week trial if there are changes being made to their terms and conditions or if there are any differences to what they're being offered from the old role to the new one which means that they can do the role for four weeks and then they can then decide that it's not suitable for them. So to summarise then, unfortunately, it is going to be very difficult for employers to establish and potentially argue that there is a suitable alternative and that it's unreasonable for an employee to refuse that offer in the situation where you are restructuring and making changes within the organisation. And perhaps that's why there aren't as many cases on this or cases that proceed to the higher courts because oftentimes if you look at it from a commercial perspective it's cheaper to pay the employee their redundancy pay if there is an argument and avoid having to go through an employment tribunal claim. If you're unsure about whether the offer of alternative employment is suitable or not then I would run through a checklist looking at one what the status is is there a difference in status between the previous role and what they're offering two what are the tasks so as Kate was saying in her question do an analysis and match up of the tasks involved and the skills required for each job role look at the pay and benefits and the fringe benefits to them check the hours to ensure that they're not fundamentally different or there are no changes to those Then five, look at the location. And if the location is the same, then you don't need to worry. But if the location is different, then it may mean that that in itself means it's not a suitable alternative. If you then make that offer to the employee on the basis that you've established that you believe it's a suitable alternative and the employee then comes back and says, actually, I don't want that job. I don't think it's right or I don't think it's a suitable alternative. At that point, I would recommend you sit down with them and have a chat, talk it through and see why they're saying that it's not suitable for them. When you have this discussion, then you can 
glean a bit more information so you can possibly establish if it is reasonable for them to refuse or not. If they're just refusing point blank because they want to leave and to get the redundancy payment, then you can take a view on it as to whether you decide to fight it and say, actually, in our view, this is a reasonable and suitable alternative and your refusal would be unreasonable or whether you just pay them and be done with it. In the event that the employee says something that means their refusal would be reasonable, for example, they say that they're unhappy about the change in the job role because they were intending to follow a particular career path then you can talk them through that and see if there's any way that you can try to reach some kind of agreement on it. In my view, it's always better to try to communicate and agree with them than to end up in a dispute, particularly if they're a good employee and you want to retain their skills and experience in the future. So just to round that up and to say once again, thanks to Kate for her question, I'll just finalise by saying that yes, in my view, trying to slot staff into alternative roles or offering alternative employment can help to mitigate redundancy. But ultimately, if you're making changes and employees are unhappy about it, then it is possible that you won't be able to avoid paying them a redundancy payment. And sometimes commercially, it can be better to do that than to get into a lengthy dispute about things. Whilst still on the topic of redundancy, I actually received another question from a listener just last week, somebody called John, and he says, could you do something on Jamie Oliver restaurants as they've recently gone into administration? It could cover things like redundancy selection and what payments you are and not entitled to and what to do if the company has no assets to pay the money for redundancy. So thanks very much, John, for your suggestion. I have done a mini series on redundancy previously and that was episodes 40 to 45 if you want to go back and listen then that covers a lot of the process, uh, selection, alternative employment, redundancy pay and frequently asked questions. So the reason why the redundancy has come up in the last two episodes is following specific questions from listeners that I'm not sure if we covered before, but just to make sure that they were covered off. Um, But if you do want to go back and listen to a, a bit more depth about redundancy, you can do. And I'll put a link to this in the show notes. In terms of the situation where an employer has gone into administration, if the employer cannot pay for redundancy pay or notice pay, that sort of things, then there is a statutory fund which will cover that. And it is the National Insurance Fund that employees would need to look to if the employer either fails to pay or they are unable to pay because there is no money available. There is a form that's filled in online and then it guarantees that in those circumstances the employees will receive at least their legal minimum payments for redundancy notice and if there's any outstanding pay being owed. If you go onto the .gov.uk website you'll find all the details about how to make a claim and where the forms are and everything are available there. As always I'll put a link to all of the details, cases and information referred to in the show notes which you can find 
on the website, which is adviceforemployers.co.uk forward slash podcast forward slash one, two, three. As always, I'm really grateful for all of those people who get in touch with me with questions or to connect. And thank you to Kate and to John for your recent questions that I've dealt with in this episode. Thank you to everyone who continues to connect with me on LinkedIn. And then finally, I just want to round up by saying that I mentioned in the last episode, episode 122, about a policy that we've created in respect of dealing with WhatsApp groups and group messages with your employees. And this is now available for you to purchase online and download and use yourself. Um, You can find it on the website and it's adviceforemployers.co.uk forward slash DIY hyphen document hyphen shop. And on there, you'll see you can download it for just £36. And then you're available, as I say, to add to your handbook, to issue to your staff and to use as you feel necessary. And of course, if you have any questions or you'd like a bespoke document created for you, then please do get in touch with me. My email address is alison at realemploymentoradvice.co.uk. Many thanks for listening. And I look forward to speaking to you again in two weeks time. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.